Hey, before we get started, if you are ready to pass your exams and become a licensed architect, you're going to want to listen to this. We are revolutionizing architectural education. It is my goal and mission to help as many people as possible become licensed architects while still maintaining their happiness. So introducing the architecture of play. This is our secret podcast series that will transform the way you study and prep for your ARE. Imagine having a happy work-life balance while also pursuing your dream of becoming a licensed architect. I promise you, it is possible. Our seven-episode private podcast gives you exclusive access to the secrets that can make this dream a reality. Remember, the more fun you have, the more likely you are to pass your exams and become a licensed architect. Start listening today at dci.beyoungdesign.com slash secret podcast. Don't miss out. This is going to transform your exam prep and help you enjoy the process of becoming a licensed architect. All right, enjoy the episode. Welcome to Design, Create, Inspire with me, Bryn Young. I'm an entrepreneur and designer specializing in residential and sustainable design. My background is in interior design and architecture, but also entrepreneurship and small business management. I have been running a successful award-winning design firm for over six years, and I'm here to discuss all things design and business. There are over 1 million podcasts to choose from right now, so thank you for taking the time to chat with me today. I hope to bring you value with every episode I create, so let's get started. Hey guys, welcome back to Design, Create, Inspire with me, Bryn Young. I'm excited to be back here with you as always. Today, I want to talk about architecture school, the dreaded architecture school. No, I'm just kidding. But I've had many people ask me whether I recommend architecture school, if it's the right choice for them. Uh, Let's see, like whether there's another option that they should take and stuff like that. So this is a super loaded question, and the answer completely changes depending on who is asking the question. Uh, It totally depends person by person. So I want to talk about some of the stereotypes, but also realities, that come with being an architecture student, what other students have said, and then ultimately what I think about the subject. Although... Who am I kidding? I'm probably going to talk about that throughout the whole podcast. (laughs) Uh, I guess I'll just at the end kind of tell you what I did and why I did it. So to start off, I think a really great quote that encompasses architecture, both in the stereotype and the reality, was said by Homer Deloey, and he said, architecture is a way of life. If not, you shouldn't be doing it. And I think this is perfect because the whole process of becoming an architect from school, studio classes, presentations, then all the way through working in the field, exams, licensure, it's not an easy process. And I talked about the whole process of becoming an architect back in one of my first episodes. So you can definitely go check that out if you want to hear more about that. But it's a long process that is you know, it's guaranteed to include literal blood, literal sweat, and literal tears. Believe me, if you aren't bleeding at one point during studio from building a model, then the next person 
like next to you is definitely bleeding from doing something. <laughs> Not that everyone's bleeding all the time, but I'll never forget my friend James slicing open his hand with a box cutter during open studio. And it wasn't during a class. It was just, we were all in there like working and it was chaos. I, the ambulance came, picked him up. He was okay. He's fine. James, I hope you hear this. Hope you're doing well, but I'm sure you have a scar. And there was lots of blood. I remember there was like, it was like a war scene. There was like blood dripping down studio, but, um, sweat. Yeah. I mean, when you're up there presenting a project to not only your peers, but also top professionals in the field, you better believe that there's going to be some sweat. And especially when you're first starting to get used to those presentations, it's, there's some sweat involved and tears, you know, tears are inevitable, especially when you're working on something hard, something you're invested in, and you're likely to see at least a few people cry during a critique, especially in that first year. Oh gosh, when you're still so soft, it's, I mean, it's not like, well, actually I was going to say, it's not like they're trying to make you cry, but actually I think they kind of are during the first year. And I'll, (laughs) I'll explain more about that later, but If you're not crying because someone's trashing your project that you just spent weeks on, then it's possible that you are crying at 4 a.m. because you're not quite finished and you have to present at 9 a.m. and you're just overwhelmed and frustrated and, you know, so just know that it's all going to happen. It's all part of the process. They don't call it architecture school or architecture school for no reason. And this is one of the main reasons why I think Deloise quote speaks so much to me because in architecture, you know, if it isn't something that is now part of your life, you're not going to want to do it. You're not going to want to suffer through that torture because it just won't be worth it. If you have a goal at the end of the line and you see the finish you know, the finish line, basically, then I think it helps you kind of just, you know, get through it, be positive, have that goal. And this is also why that first year of school weeds out a lot of people, which it should, because it's much better for those people to find out early that this way of life just is not for them. Rather than investing all the time and the money and the years and all that, and then end up not liking it, it's definitely why I think that first year, they push you really hard because they do want to weed out those people that it's just not for them. And it doesn't have to be for everybody. That's totally fine. And I'm going to get more into that too. I'm going to give you some quotes from specific people who tell like it's not for them and it wasn't for them and they don't recommend it. So I can only give my story the way I've experienced it, which I went through school, I got my license, but I thought it was important to also share those experiences from other people so that you kind of got that two-way street. So with that said, just because you go to architecture school doesn't mean that you have to necessarily become an architect. So you may find that, you know, maybe part way through school, you're thinking, well, you know, I don't know. Being an actual architect maybe not for me, but this doesn't mean they have to quit and start over. A lot of people who have a degree in architecture decide to go in many different routes and, you know, but kind of related fields, but different routes. I know of people who have become city planners, furniture designers, developers, 
there's people who even become professors. So there's a lot of different things that you can do. You're still getting those skills. And that's the beauty about architecture school is it teaches you how to be a great critical thinker. It teaches you how to solve problems. It teaches you how to present yourself and your ideas in front of an audience. So those first few presentations, like I was saying, is really stressful and hard. But then towards the end of it, I mean, I mean, I remember used to be terrified of public speaking, especially presenting a project because it's it's like your baby, it's your artwork, but now it's no big deal. Now I can present a project in front of a community board and I've done it enough where I feel confident of how to explain the project, which is another podcast I'm going to do all about what not to say during a presentation because you do learn kind of how to present while you're in school. But Anyways, back to, so I I can present to like a community board, for example, and then if someone doesn't like part of the design, I'm able to kind of detach from it personally and think critically and use it as an opportunity to make that design even better. So oftentimes without the skills taught in school, you can kind of take offense to this and try to protect the design. But really, in the long run, you're kind of just trying to protect your ego because your ego is still in that design. So architecture school is interesting because you don't really learn a lot of what you do in the field, which seems weird because you come out of school or you go into an internship and you're like, what the hell are they even teaching me in school? They didn't, we didn't go over any of this. But what they're teaching you is more the thinking skills, the uh, detachment from ego, like I'm saying, the just like the critical skills that make you a good designer, which can feel a little weird. But I think that's why you also have to do your exams to be licensed because they it's just impossible for them to teach that much in school. So with this, I also know that looking back, this is why a lot of professors were extra harsh in school during critiques. I remember thinking they were just really mean and nitpicky, <laughs> but they're actually teaching a very valuable lesson that architecture is not about you or it's not about the designer. It's about the client and the user and the people. And these are part of those critical skills and lessons that are taught in school. So one area of architecture school that's often discussed, and if you are looking into going into it, or if you've talked to other students, you for sure have heard about it, but it's the studio culture and the harmful side of this. So studio culture is wonderful. It's beautiful. It's a place to learn and grow with your peers. You make some lifelong friendships with people who understand what you're going through. However, it's also a culture of sleepless nights, lots of caffeine, and honestly pushing yourself to your breaking point. And I believe architecture schools are now trying to crack down on all-nighters. At least uh, it's been a while since I've been in school, but towards the end of it was like my last quarter, I think school was shutting down the studio at night so that you couldn't be in there working all night. But that's not to mean that people aren't doing that at home, which they probably are, honestly, and shutting down studio, actually. Anyways, I don't want to get into that. But (laughs) I think the schools are trying to be more conscientious of this. Because I mean, I remember students staying at in studio all night. And then they would, some of them would drive home in the morning after not sleeping at all. And 
it was super dangerous. I don't have a statistic, but I know car crashes due to lack of sleep are really prevalent in architecture school. And it's really scary. I know I didn't know anyone directly. Actually, I did know one person who got in a crash. He was okay, though. But uh, I did know a friend of the, one of the people I knew did die in a car accident after driving home. And it's really scary. And it also just takes an emotional and a physical toll on your body. The all-nighters and the stress, it's a lot to handle. And you could tell it was finals week. Or honestly, you could even just tell who was in architecture school (laughs) based on how the students looked. Everyone honestly looked like shit. It wasn't just the workload that causes the all-nighters and the stress and everything, but it's also, I feel like it's the expectation from the other students. Like it was almost... I don't know, cool or something people would brag about to see who's been up for the most amount of days and who's worked the hardest. Like almost it means that their projects are going to be the best. But I personally feel like that is a perfectionism that comes out in a lot of students. And that, you know, it's not a secret that a lot of architects are perfectionists. So I think this comes out from the very early stages. And I, to be honest, pride myself and did pride myself in graduating grad school without pulling a single all-nighter. And I tried not to really, like, tell people that when I was in school. I never, they'd be, oh, I've been up for two days. Oh, my gosh, bummer, you know. Yeah, we've been working hard. But I wouldn't be like, oh, I got an eight-hour night's sleep last night. (laughs) Because I didn't want to come off as, like, pompous or anything. I just felt like... It was really, really important to me to to get a good night's sleep. In my mind, being well-rested in order to look presentable and give a high-quality presentation was much more valuable than having, for example, a model that's exactly right or your drawing's perfect. To me, if it was by 4 a.m., usually like 4 a.m. would be my cutoff. It was probably only a handful of times that I even got to that point, but In my mind, if it wasn't done, it wasn't done. So go to sleep and I say make up for it not being done through a kick-ass presentation. Because if you have beautiful drawings, beautiful model, everything's perfect because you've been up for four days, but you look like shit, you can't present it well, you can't explain your thoughts well, people would be falling asleep in the chair. You know, the, the people who are critiquing see that. So I think that that makes it look bad. And you, I mean, especially when you're looking at so much drawings and stuff, if your line weights aren't perfect or your model isn't perfect, you know, forget one thing, focus on making one area of your presentation good and then having a great verbal presentation. So that's my opinion. I know it's, uh, people will just do what they do, but I believe don't stay up past four get a good night's sleep, do a great presentation, and it will show through. So this whole culture, the studio culture, is not just in school traditionally. It's also in firms as well. I mean, traditionally, architecture firms, you hear about them pulling all-nighters or super crazy deadlines for clients. I just don't understand this, first of all, for the deadlines why are they making such tight deadlines if everyone has to pull all-nighters before? Just make tell your client it's longer or 
don't procrastinate. I don't know. Or take on less. I just feel like this concept of pulling all-nighters and doing these crazy... I get it. There's last-minute things and crackdowns towards the end of a project, but I just feel like there needs better delegation to not provide this. And to be honest, I think that the reason why there is this is because all these people who are now working in firms were just coming from school. And that's the culture at school. So if that's your culture at school, that's going to be the culture at work. And then those people at work are going to go towards the the higher ups or they're going to become the higher ups. And then, of course, they're going to expect that of the lower people because that's what they went through. It's just like this bad snowball effect. And so I think in order to shift this in the firms, we need to shift this perspective in the schools because then our students will be coming out with a shifted perspective. And obviously our students are who are going to end up running the companies one day. So I think I want to say this is slowly getting to that point, but you know, it's been a while since I've been in school, so I'm not sure, but I really hope, I really hope it is. And I do want to say that I know there is this excitement and energy that comes with being in a studio when the rest of the world is sleeping and it's 3am and everyone's working together and you've got your coffee and, and, and there is this energy. And I think that is really cool, but there's just, I don't think that that can outweigh the health of students and employees and safety, you know, if people are driving home afterwards. So I, I think there does need to be this shift and, you know, maybe there are one night every couple months or something where everyone stays till 10 just to get that culture. I don't want to do that. I'm never going to do that in my firm. So if you ever work for me, don't expect that. But I don't know. I just if that's that culture of your firm, maybe try to shift it in a way that can still be healthy and still get that energy. So a while ago, it was a couple months ago, I wanted to hear what other designers thought about their experience with architecture school and if they would recommend it or if they would even like do it again. And so I did a poll on Instagram and now looking back I can't see how many people actually voted, but I do want to say is quite I got quite a few responses and 74% of people said yes, they would recommend it and 26% said no. So 26, I mean, that is over a quarter of people who have done it and said no. So I dove a little deeper into this and and discussed it with a few of them and talked about why they would or why they wouldn't. And I wanted to share those responses with you. So I'm going to go through these and just read some of what people have to say about it. Uh, I am going to only share names of those people who have agreed to have their name shared. Otherwise, I'm just not going to give a name. So I'm going to start off with those who actually don't recommend it. And it's funny because I was reading through my notes and I think that more people who don't recommend it like actually wrote me why more because they're more passionate about why they don't recommend it. So I'm going to talk about that. This person, I don't have a name for it, but I'm going to start the quote. Before I get into detail, I should preface by saying I absolutely adore architecture and design, and I wouldn't be where I am today without my degree or built the lifelong friendships that studio culture cultivated. But there are many reasons that I would not go back, and in hindsight, might have chosen a different path. First and foremost, being the cost associated with a five-year program versus the average starting salary for architecture professionals. 
Architectural students pay an arm and a leg for tuition, especially given that most accredited architecture programs are through private universities, and we pay for an additional year to get a professional degree. We also put in the most amount of hours outside of classwork, on schoolwork, making it one of the most rigorous educational programs. Yet the starting salary for professionals make it hard to pay back student loans or live comfortably. Architecture schools breed students to believe that they must eat, sleep, and breathe architecture in order to be successful. I had professors tell me that I had to pick between working a job or devoting my time only to school, that I will never put in the amount of effort they desired if I was working part-time through school. The culture of working yourself to death, pulling all-nighters, and competing with other students on just how much mental and physical stress you can put on yourselves isn't healthy. Yet most studio professors encourage this behavior. We call it architecture for a good, very good reason. So I obviously relate to all this. I kind of already breached a little bit on it, but I remember having, it wasn't a professor, but it was a student. When I went into school, I was working two part-time jobs. Actually, I was working one full-time job, but during school, I ended up <laughs> bringing on another one. So went down to two part-time jobs. But I remember a student saying to me, it was like my very first class, and she said, oh, you're working, you're going to quit your job in the next couple weeks because this is so hard. And I thought, well, I don't think so. I mean, I've always worked, I've always been a worker, and I was working through undergrad, even though it was strenuous, and I just always have found a a beauty in work. And she was wrong. Actually, she ended up not making it to second year. So <laughs> just because you work doesn't mean that you're going to succeed. It doesn't mean you're going to fail. Just because you don't work doesn't mean you're going to succeed. doesn't mean you're going to fail. So I think it's person by person. I think having a professor hate on you for having a job is BS and should not be the case. To me, I felt like having a job actually made me a better student because I stayed more focused. I didn't procrastinate. I did things when I needed to do it. But then I also got that mental break of of working. And I know it's not really a mental break, but it it was a break away from school. And the students who weren't working and crazy busy all the time, you're you're busy all the time, but you're not. You know, like you feel like you're busy all the time, but are you really busy all the time? Are you just doing a lot of little things all the time rather than more like time blocking. That was more what I would do. I'd more time block and then get my stuff done. So I think it's interesting that that person actually was told by professors that they wouldn't be able to do good work. I think that's a bad, bad professor. Bad. <laughs> um, okay, so Kendra C. said, I went into art school straight out of high school, and discussions and feedback like this are something I really wish I would have heard before I started. Our dropout rate in the first year was over 50%, and from the 96 students that started with me in first year, only 11 of us made it through to graduation in fifth year. It's definitely a huge decision to make, and I do believe that culture is slowly changing. A lot of colleagues are starting to promote mental health, but it's going slow which is good. I'm really glad that that is something that is starting to be more prevalent because it is so important. You can't be a good designer if you aren't mentally stable. I mean, if you're stressed out all the time, if you're not sleeping, you're not eating right, you can't be a good designer. 
Hey, before we get started, if you are ready to pass your exams and become a licensed architect, you're going to want to listen to this. We are revolutionizing architectural education. It is my goal and mission to help as many people as possible become licensed architects while still maintaining their happiness. So introducing the architecture of play. This is our secret podcast series that will transform the way you study and prep for your ARE. Imagine having a happy work-life balance while also pursuing your dream of becoming a licensed architect. I promise you, it is possible. Our seven-episode private podcast gives you exclusive access to the secrets that can make this dream a reality. Remember, the more fun you have, the more likely you are to pass your exams and become a licensed architect. Start listening today at dci.beyoungdesign.com slash secret podcast. Don't miss out. This is going to transform your exam prep and help you enjoy the process of becoming a licensed architect. All right, back to the episode. Hector Bernal said, I went to SDSU and got an interior design degree accredited at the time. My ambition at the time was to attend new school for a master's and go from there. This year was 2009, enough said. (laughs) I bounced between jobs, retail furniture to even copier sales. In the meantime, I was teaching myself furniture design. What I learned and what I wished any college program would do better at was the entrepreneurial side of business and how business really works in the real world. I had the opportunity to mingle with the old school interior designers and their best advice was take business classes. When I look back, there is no class that could have prepped me for what I do now. You simply learn on the job with years of dedication. In fairness, they probably didn't see this industry evolving immensely in the next decade to what it is now. I also wish they spoke more about other certifications like PMP, what I'm currently getting ready to take for project management. So I actually hadn't even heard of PMP. So I looked it up real quick and it's a project management professional is an internationally recognized professional designation offered by Project Management Institute. Back to his quote. Also other functions and roles in the A&D, architecture and design industry, like sales distributor, wholesale, all of that. I think more can be done to encourage students to think outside the box and show them the possibility of being design fabricator one-stop shop. Show them a combination of tools and possibilities. My advice to anyone seeking a career in architecture or design is it's a labor of love and pay attention to the big players, the quote-unquote rule breakers, and to not follow the linear path schools unfortunately teach. So I think this is great. I think a lot of things in this. I agree with business school. I am happy I got a minor in entrepreneurship and small business management when I was in undergrad because I knew I always wanted to be in business. But a lot of people don't know that. And also a lot of people don't want to take that on. In architecture school, in my master's program, there was one quarter, maybe, was it a year? I don't think so. It seems like it was just one quarter on business. It was very quick. As soon as I got out of school, I even, I'm like, you know, I should go back to my school and talk to them about teaching a entrepreneurship class for architecture. But I don't really want to be a teacher necessarily at a school or a professor. It sounds like more work than I want to take on. But at the same time, I think 
this there is a lot of importance in this and it's not taught much so hopefully i can maybe help with that a little more on this side of things or you know via my website and blog and that sort of thing because uh, i do think it is really important and i do agree too with what he said about rule breakers and it's not a linear path and you can jump around and just because you started in architecture doesn't mean you can't go into fabrication or just because you started in interior design doesn't mean you can't go into architecture and whatnot. So, Okay, so Phil Rocha said, our industry in general is pretty broken. A five-year degree in architecture literally means nothing. We still have to intern for two plus years just to get the opportunity to take six exams to then become an architect. I think the process is really hurting the industry as a whole and slowing down the innovative process needed in our industry. So I wouldn't recommend someone going through the five years of school to get out not knowing how to do their job. And in parentheses, he said, we don't actually get taught architecture in school. After all, we enter a saturated field that offers $30,000 a year as a starting salary. There's a large distance between academia and profession, and most schools don't prepare you enough for the job field. When you finally get your dream job, you realize that you have no work-life balance, constantly having to sacrifice your youthful years working 10 plus hours a day to make a mediocre salary after years in the job field. Yeah, I don't necessarily regret it, but definitely underwhelmed by what I got from it to the point where I did a master's and it basically was the same thing. So, I mean, that one's painful. <laughs> painful to read because it is true. It is a really long process to get to being an architect. And unfortunately, it is true. It's something that is talked about all the time that architects don't really get paid that much. But why? I mean, I just don't understand that. I, we have to go through all this. We've, deal with architecture, we deal with studio, we deal with the exams, we deal with all this. So where is that disconnect? And I don't know if it's maybe in clients' perceived value of what an architect is and what they are willing to pay. I don't know if maybe it starts with that. I don't know. But I can totally understand after reading this, like feeling disheartened by it and feeling not excited about it. I'm going to read a couple more. I know it's a lot of negatives. <laughs> I hope you're hanging in there and not tortured by this, but I'm going to read a couple more responses. Um, so on the negative side, I've always struggled with school since I was a kid. I always knew school wasn't for me growing up. It was extremely difficult to transition to architecture school since it's a quarter system. The amount of schoolwork on top of studio and work made it extremely difficult for me. Since I'm a first child born in the U.S. because my parents were immigrants and learning two languages at the same time, it confused me. Also, school is very expensive. I always have to use my tax return and save money to pay my tuition since my tuition is never completely covered throughout each quarter. As much on the negative side, there is a positive side. I feel architecture chose me. I remember when I would dine with my mom on the first day of school, she would ask me what I wanted to be when I grew up. When you're a kid, you'll say, I want to be a doctor, etc. So I stuck with architecture. Second year in school was this year I fell in love with architecture. I use architecture to express myself. Since then, I knew what career path to take. I find architecture to be easy for me because I love the challenges and the passion to design. I do believe it's not for everyone. 
I believe if people are curious about architecture and willing to go down the rabbit hole, then I, I do see them successful, but they have to want it. I feel people or students would benefit more if they were able to see the process of an architect, because I know school is completely different than working in a field. And then there are people who are still pursuing licensure without a degree in architecture, which you can do if you don't have a degree in architecture. I think you have to still have a college degree. And I may be wrong. I didn't look this up before I started this. but And then I think it's like eight years of work under a licensed professional. So if you work for a licensed architect, then you can then go take the exams and be a licensed architect. So Marie Biaggi says, I never went to architecture school. I wasn't sure about going into architecture, so I didn't want to limit myself to just that. I ended up with degrees in environmental studies and history of architecture at UCSB. I decided toward the end of my studies that I still wanted to pursue a career in architecture because I was still so drawn to it. It also really was exciting for me to be able to fold in my newfound love for sustainable design. Since I could still get my license without going to school, I never felt an intense need to go get my master's in architecture. Plus, I figured I would rather spend those three to five years getting practical real-world skills. I had a mentor that told me he thought a lot of architecture students come out of school thinking they can take on anything, only to be shut down and be working on ADA bathroom design or other non-exciting designs. And I didn't want to spend all that time and money to experience that kind of letdown. I found it much more fulfilling to start at the bottom of a firm and work my way up practically. I was also blessed with an amazing principal that took the time to teach me all the critical elements and explain to me all the whys. He also let me figure a lot of things out on my own, so lots of learning by failure at first. I was also very lucky in the sense that both my principals had no formal education in architecture. One was a structural engineer and the other a fine arts major. So they had no prejudice against my lack of formal education. Ultimately, I would take the same path. In fact, they saw it as a strength because it made me more well-rounded and could see the industry from a different lens. Although I don't think having a formal degree equates to more success, I wouldn't tell someone not to go to school either. Everyone is in a different place in life and learns differently, so it depends on the kind of person you are. If you work hard and love what you do, then your success will develop naturally. I completely agree. I think, you know, just as much as the person who goes through architecture school and then graduates, that doesn't mean that they're going to be successful. Just like with her, she didn't go to architecture school, but she's still successful in this field and she's still able to do what she loves. So it really does come down to loving what you do, working hard, being passionate. And I think that's why, again, that original quote I said in the beginning is so important because you, it has to be your world. So I know that was a lot of letdown. <laughs> A lot of like, oh, damn, maybe this isn't for me. But I do want to say it's not all bad. And there were people who did recommend going to the school. So I'm going to read a little bit of their responses as well. So Jocelyn Martinez said, I studied in Mexico and a semester in San Diego. I was able to experience the degree in both countries. However, they do remain the same. Stress, sleepless nights, and many days where you prefer to keep designing than eating, which 
quick side note, I like that she does say it's like you prefer to keep designing than eating because I think that's also part of it. It's not like someone's standing there with a whip telling you you can't eat. It's like you're so focused and loving it that you end up to forget to eat, which isn't good. But I do like that she says you prefer to keep designing. During the course, all of my teachers said that architecture was based on two things, aesthetics and functionality. And that's what I take with me. Architecture is for those people who have a passion for creating, dedication, patience, and a taste for design. It is beautiful to see how people put their houses in our hands. And in the same way, we must respect and treat these projects with great responsibility and dedication. In my opinion, patience is the key. When you start the degree of architecture, there's a 100% chance that there will be nights when you will not stop. There will be nights when you sometimes ask yourself why you studied this degree, and even more so because it's a five-year long, and sometimes a little bit more. In the end, when you finish, it is something you won't regret, I 100% assure you. So clearly it sounds like Jocelyn loves what she does. She's passionate about it, so she just doesn't regret anything. <laughs> Mike Sintron says, I think so far something from architecture school is design thinking. The process the processes, 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 <laughs> the processes, <laughs> guys, I'm not good at English. I like architecture, not English. Uh, and the methods are that are used to design are something I did not get in community college or in an office. I'd recommend it to people that are both creative and technical. I had a professor tell me once that you don't have to be an artist to be an architect, but by being an architect, you will be an artist. I think that resonated with me because I love art and being creative, but used to think I needed to be a great artist to be an architect. Architecture is not for the faint of heart, and without trying to scare anyone off, I would only recommend it if you feel prepared and ready to take on the challenge. Becoming an architect is a long process and takes real commitment, but it will prove worth it the more you put into it. And I'm just going to do a couple other quick responses. If you're still with me, I hope so, because now I'm getting to the positive things. <laughs> and I just hope you didn't like, all right, forget it. I'm not doing architecture. Forget the podcast. I don't need to listen to that anymore. Next thing. <laughs> I promise you, if you love it, it's totally worth it. But I'm just going to read you a couple more responses. I always tell people I learned how to solve problems in architecture school. Of course, you don't need architecture school for that, but it helped me with it. Really, that's all design is, problem solving. I'm a registered architect in the state of California working as an architect for the state of California. I would never have the job if I didn't go to school, test, and become registered. All right, I'm going to read you one more. What I got from architecture school was that you are more capable mentally than you think you are. All the late nights, design iterations, and ability to present somewhat coherently your idea after all that will show you that. With that said, though, I also learned that if you're not all in on trying to make it through architecture school, then it will be miserable. I had to repeat a year because I wasn't invested in what I was doing, and all disinterest showed in my work and my performance suffered. I would recommend architecture school to anyone interested in design as a practice and those who find engineering and art interesting. At least that's how I was. I'm currently using my degree. Almost took me two years to land the position that I wanted. So, you know, that's a lot. And like I said, I hope I'm not totally freaking you out. Because there was a lot of consistencies, even with the people that said, yes, they would recommend it. 
you know, the thing that you see over and over is it's a lot of work. It's not easy. It takes tenacity. It's difficult. And even once you get out of it, the process is still just beginning. So it does take a lot. At the same time, if you are wanting to do it, if you start now, you'll be over that much quicker. And that's exactly what my philosophy was. So I love this quote of the most dangerous risk of all, the risk of spending your life not doing what you want on the bet that you can buy yourself the freedom to do it later. So for me, this is the reason I went to grad school. I knew if I didn't pursue architecture, I would live my life wondering what if, and also feeling like I was missing something. I knew that the sooner I started, the sooner I would be finished. And when I was in my final year of undergrad, I had a really awesome opportunity to go to Softy Rabinus Architects, which if you don't know them, definitely look them up. They do incredible work here in San Diego, actually all over the world. But And I had a meeting with Tall Softy, who runs it with her husband. And she told me, I was finishing interior design school at the time, undergrad, and was telling her, because they have an interior design portion of their company too, but I was looking at all her projects and saying, oh my gosh, I just love architecture. I really do want to do architecture. And she said to me, if you love architecture, go get your degree. Just be an architect. If it's what you really want to be, do it. And she was just, she was very, I mean, she's a very straight talker. She's very just to the point. And, but I knew then in there that it was in my heart and I did need to do it. I, 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 I think it was like at that point, I'm like, okay, done. I'm doing it. <laughs> and I knew I was going to do it no matter what it took. So I think at that point I still, I was working doing design build and I did that for, I think two more years, actually one and a half more years before I ended up going to grad school. Uh, but anyways, so make it fun. You know, if, if it's both terrifying and amazing, then you should definitely pursue it. Aratus Flitlana said that, and I think that that's exactly architecture. It's terrifying, but it's amazing, and you should definitely pursue it. If there's any little inkling in you, then just do it. And, you know, if you hate it, then quit. (laughs) And I do want to say, too, real quick, that one of the people were saying that be a rule breaker, and I think that goes into the whole working for a firm outside of school that is, you know, they make you work 10 plus hours and you start at 30 grand and all that stuff. Well, maybe be a rule breaker. Don't go in there thinking, oh, they're only going to pay me 30 grand. And, and, you know, when they're like, oh, $15 an hour, you're like, okay, how about 17? You are professional. You have a professional degree. I mean, go in there and offer more. I just think that there needs to be rules broken in terms of getting where you want to be. Working 10 plus hours days, I don't relate to that because I've always been real firm at like, (laughs) these are my hours. And of course, when you work for a firm, it's different, but make sure you're getting overpaid or overtime for that. Make sure that there's, you know, that's very clear when you're getting hired. I know I know it's easier for me to like sit here and I work for myself and say things like that. But if we want to change this industry and change this whole culture, 
it starts with us. So start asking for those changes. Start asking for those things when you're looking for jobs. You don't have to take every job. You know, maybe it's worth asking for something and then you saying no to the company. So these are just things to think about. And if you have any questions or any of your own experiences, let me know. I'd love to hear it. And thank you so much for sticking with me. And I think this is one of our longer episodes today, but I appreciate this topic and I really hope that you found value in it. So if you did find value, please subscribe, rate, review. Helps me get this content out to more people and help spread the word. Thank you so much, guys. Have a wonderful day. Talk soon. Bye.